So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to Love After Lockup. Ha ha. Okay. I'm Mr. O, and today Miss H and I will be talking about Life After Lockup, Season Three, Episode Five. In this episode, Quaylen plots to get Chevelle back while Chevelle tries to move on. Malcolm subtly lays the groundwork for a breakup. Destiny finally gets in touch with Sean for a pretty predictable reason. Puppy gets released from prison with a plan to get some money out of Vince. And Andrea finds out about the secret Priscilla has been keeping. As always, we'll end with our students of the week, class dunces, and life lessons. If you like what you hear, please support us by leaving a five-star rating and any constructive criticism is welcome. And if you watch 90 Day Fiancé, check out our other podcast channel, 90 Day Fiancé MK. As a programming note, we'll be back with a new podcast episode in two weeks since the show is taking a break for Christmas. Anyway, thanks, stay safe, and enjoy. Hello, Miss H. Hello, Mr. O. How are things going? I know you're pretty stressed out right now. Yes, I am. I'm trying to get things done so I can enjoy my winter break. Because I'm on winter break. I know you still have a couple more days. Yeah, I still have actually three more days. It's weird. We have like a weird Wednesday, which is not even a full class day. It's like a study hall day, almost office hours day. But it's like, I'm like, what am I? I'm not going to do anything on the 23rd. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Well, I was working all the way up until the end. So I don't know. Maybe you'll be doing stuff too. Trying to get all my grading in so that way I don't have to worry about anything and I can actually enjoy my winter break. Yeah, there's nothing better than having all your grades in before winter break starts. Yes, definitely. All right, so uh, let's get started with uh, Sarah, Michael, mostly Sarah and Malcolm. So Sarah is singing Malcolm's praises for him handling the whole family situation, the girls, meeting Michael, everything. Sarah and Michael are talking, and Malcolm is trying to let Sarah down gently and really pave the way for, like, an exit strategy. He says that he he had no idea about the reality of the family situation. He tells Sarah that he cares for her a lot, and he feels like they just need to move forward from this situation, which is kind of vague and... Yeah. So Malcolm tells us that he was saying that he loves Sarah at the beginning of this trip, but hasn't felt it or said it after all the Michael drama. So uh, Michael rolls up as soon as Malcolm leaves, and Michael tells us that he isn't jealous because at the end of the day, he will trump anyone because he's the husband and all anyone else will be is a boyfriend. Okay. So you also... Yes, eventually somebody else could be the husband. But yes, go on with your question. Right, so you also got the impression that Malcolm is trying to like set the groundwork for a breakup. Yeah, I, I mean, it just seemed to me like Malcolm saw what was going on here and isn't totally on board with it and was totally setting up for, you know, I just have to figure things out on my own. I mean, it just seemed like he was trying to lay the groundwork so that when he makes the phone call after he gets back home to break up with her because he didn't want to do it in person. <laughs> yeah. He was like, this lady's crazy and I don't want to break up with her right now. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, he also doesn't seem very confrontational and we've seen that already. He just seems like kind of the nice guy. Yeah. So I could also see him kind of taking what would appear to be the less dramatic way out. I don't want to say easy way out, but less dramatic. Sure. Yeah, sure. And it's like, I don't know. 
I don't like it. I mean, it's fine. He wants to break up with her. He has every right to, and he is Mm -hmm. totally in all reasonable, like, a reasonable space to do so after, like, how things went down. Oh, yeah. But, um, man, I just, I just don't want Michael to, like, feel like he was like, that's right. I scared another one off. Yeah. It really bothers me. She chose me over another one. And it was like, no, this one actually rejected both of you. (laughs) It was like, I don't want anything to do with either of these people. Yeah. I was going to say that it really bothers me that when it's convenient for Michael, he throws the marriage card out. You know, like, she's my wife. It's like, uh, you didn't give a crap that Sarah was your wife when Maria was around or when Megan was around. Exactly. Or when this latest lady girl was around that he missed court for. Yeah. I forgot her name. She's like dust in the wind already, you know? Yeah, I know. It's just like, I feel like it was another M name. I think he has a like specific type. There's Sarah and then the M girls is what we have, basically. (laughs) Yeah. So it just really bothers me. It's like... He's one of those people that just wants ownership over someone and doesn't actually want them to move on, but they feel like they can do whatever they want. Yeah, yeah. It's like it, it, he just likes having – I mean, he likes to have it both ways. I mean, it's, there's oh, no absolutely. other way to say it. Like he wants to have somebody that he knows is like, yeah, she'll do anything for me. I have her. She's, But also, I also want to have all these other people, and I want to keep playing the field as well. Like I yeah. want to have it – I want to have both ways. And I mean – I feel bad about it because he kind of does. Mm-hmm. Like he's we, – we always say this and it's like as, as, as crappy as it is and it doesn't, it doesn't make any logical sense. He's not wrong. If he wanted to get back together with Sarah, he would be back together with Sarah. Yeah. Uh, Sarah, why are you so weak? Right. And it's and the thing is, is like at, the, at some point, I mean, it's not even going to be like – because he's always like whatever at the end of the day, Sarah's going to pick me. At the end of the day, I'm, on, I'm the husband. And doesn't think of it as, oh, no, I'm literally scaring all these guys off from Sarah. Like, any guy that's around is going to see me and be like, nope. And not because he's so awesome or he's so intimidating or he's clear. It's just like, that's trouble and I don't want trouble. I'm done. Like, I I don't need this. Right. I kind of feel like Sarah had her best chance of moving on with Malcolm. Mm -hmm. He seems like a stand-up guy. He seems to deal with the Michael situation, and specifically, I should say, his interaction with Michael. I think that's the best you can hope for with Michael being on the receiving end of that, right? It is, and you're not going to – you're just not going to find a good, decent guy who is going to put up with that Michael crap. Like, yeah. they're not. They're just not going to put up with it. Like, and it has right. nothing to do with how, you know, awesome of a guy Michael is and how, you know, magical his penis is and everything <laughs> to do with God. just like, wow, this is a messed up situation that I don't want to be a part of. Like, right. Yeah. So, uh, it, it makes me sad that she can't be strong at this moment. There are moments where she says all the right things, kind of almost like Darcy from 90 Day Fiance, it's like you say all the right things, but your actions don't back your it up. Your actions don't back it up. Right. No. Yeah. I mean, she always says, I'm totally over him. I would never sleep with him again. Right. Okay, we slept together again. And then yeah. like, it's like, okay, well. Well, I'm then. allowed to. That's my husband. It's like, okay, is that the reason why you all aren't really serious about this divorce situation? It's a way to keep each other in your lives. Yeah, neither of them are really all that committed to getting this divorce happened. Even though they keep saying it. Right. Yeah. All right, so speaking of other people that aren't that committed, let's go to Sean and Destiny. God. 
So, Sean, we open with a Sean getting a late night call from Destiny. Well, maybe it's a late night call and maybe he's just old, but whatever, he's asleep. <laughs> Could have been like 930. I don't know. He's old. Destiny just wants to tell him that she's okay and mainly she wants him to stop blowing up her phone. He asks her about the pregnancy test and then he asks if they're okay, which... You know, you would think you would gather from the context of, of the situation that the relationship was in trouble. But, you know, he needs verbal confirmation of that, apparently. It's only three days to the court date, so Sean doesn't want to confront her about the Facebook profiles he found in the last episode until, you know, after the court date happens. <laughs> she refuses to tell him where she is, and he is still obviously worried about nothing else besides the bail money. But eventually, he pulls the old, I love you. Do you still love me? Oh, God. If you have to ask, the answer is no. <laughs> well, especially when she answers that she cares about him. <laughs> oh, so cold. Burn. Oh, so bad. And then just asks him, and then immediately pivots to, I need money. Stupid. He doesn't verbally agree or say no, but he wants her to stay in touch. So after the hang up, he cash apps her 100 bucks. Again, I think his theory is that, well, she'll keep in touch now. Stupid. So Such stupid. A sucker. Anyway, the next day, Destiny's friend Melissa stops by to hang out, and it's eh, really hard for her to get to start talking because Sean keeps texting her nonstop. We even see a screenshot of her phone, and it's literally all gray bubbles from top to bottom. <laughs> she tells Melissa um, her side of what's wrong with Sean. It isn't that he won't take care of her because he does give her money all the time. But she doesn't like how he's always lying and talking to his ex behind her back. Disrespect. She said disrespect like 50 times. And then anyway, fast-talking Melissa thinks that the problem, the money is probably the only reason that uh, Destiny's still hanging around. Then we see her on a different text conversation, one with Gray and Blue Bubbles. And she doesn't want to say who's on that one right now. And if you stopped and, like, paused and looked at it like I did, because that's the kind of person I am, it was just kind of stuff about, you want to get together later? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> so anyway, back to Sean. He's getting sus he's getting a suspicious purchase text on his phone from the credit card company uh, because Destiny bought pizza on that phone, and he knows she's the only one with that card. He's happy that, you know, when he finds out it's in Redding, California, that she's near court, but worried that she could be there with her family or with her druggy friends, his words. Anyway, he calls the pizza place and asks to get information about who was theirs, who spent that money, who used that card. The pizza guy breaks protocol and maybe even the law by yeah. giving him the address that the pizza was delivered to. So now Sean's plan is to roll up to that address as soon as he can. So my question is on a scale of – no, I'm going to have on a scale of 1 to 10. What is – what in Sean's head is the best case scenario of him rolling up to this, her sister's house? Like what does he think is going to happen? I don't know. I don't know what his goal exactly <laughs> is to beg for her to come home. But then he doesn't really want her to come home because he wants her to stay there to get her cart date. I think maybe just to keep an eye on her. It's just like I don't know. It's one of those things that – I mean that I feel like sometimes – and I've had situations like this too, right, where you just have to have somebody – kind of talk to you and ask you the question. It was like, what were you hoping would happen? Yeah. And, and, and most of the time the answer is, especially when you're doing something dumb. We've all <laughs> done dumb stuff, especially when it comes to, you know, relationships and stuff. You're like, 
I don't know. <laughs> like, or it's either I don't know or something that's completely unreasonable and definitely wasn't going to happen. Right. Right. Like he's like I like Tiffany's like what are you hoping would happen? It was like well I was hoping that she would just jump in the car with me and be back in love with me and come back with me in my house. It was like okay well you know that's not happening. So yeah. which what's a plausible thing that you think might happen? I think maybe he just wants to basically escort her to her prison or I mean her court date because he is very worried about that money. Like, incredibly worried about that money. If you're that worried about that money, you should have never done it. You should have never done it. Right. I mean, don't gamble what you can't afford to lose. Man lives in Vegas. He should know that. (laughs) Yeah. So I feel like he just wants to make sure that she's going to appear. And so he feels like if he shows up, he can see it with his own eyes and it will somehow relieve his stress and anxiety over the situation. Right. I mean, that, that's the thing, too, is like it really is off-putting to her mm-hmm. specifically when it's like – when he's like, oh, yeah, I'm glad you're okay. I missed you and you know this. By the way, my money. I'm going to lose a lot of money if you don't go to court. So like you, you can just see in her body language every time he brings up this bail money, it's just like – Oh, because it, it, it just it just keeps sending the message for a terrible message for somebody you're ostensibly trying to get back to be yeah. like, I care about this money more than I care about you. Well, I mean, pot and kettle, right? Because sure. she does the same thing, like in the same breath, like, mm, so are we OK? Yeah. Can Fair. I get some money? Mm. It's just funny how everybody to a person is like, why do you think Destiny's around? And they're like, oh, the I money. I know. <laughs> like, they don't even money? hesitate. They're like, it's the money. Like, yeah. Yeah, like the friend is like, oh, well, if he didn't give her money, she probably wouldn't be around. It's like, <laughs> Sean, I feel like, must know too. I feel like that's why he keeps on giving her money because he feels like she's not going to be around. She's not going to check in with him if he doesn't give her money. So at what point though, do you have the kind of – I know Sean's an idiot, so for his point, it's a long it's time from now. take him like 10 times longer than the average person, I'm just saying. Yeah. At what point do you have to just be like, oh, this is an escort. Like that's what I'm paying for. Like I, this is an escort. I'm paying an escort because if I give her money, she'll stay around. If I don't give her money, she will not. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's one of those people too that just kind of hopes – that if someone is around long enough, that they'll just, like, feel attached. Right? Work for Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, I don't know. Maybe he has success doing that. Like, if, yeah. I, just, if I annoy them long enough, right. I will somehow break them down and then they will just love me oh man that's just the oh that's just the the this that's just the stereotype of the guy that wants to sleep with you and is just like i'm just gonna spend the night oh we'll just be here maybe we'll like trying to force a makeout <laughs> session to happen and you're like oh, just kind of annoy you into submission like oh man like a really bad play yeah All right, uh, so let's move on to Chevelle and Quaylen. So Quaylen has been back in Houston for two weeks cutting hair. He finally fesses up that he was flirting with a girl named Jessica from Chicago. He says that although they've been flirting, he has never actually met up with her. He admits that he totally understands why Chevelle is upset. Meanwhile, Chevelle is telling uh, everyone that, you know, they had told her so and to not put all her eggs in one basket. So she decides to call someone she met in high school and she's been friends with. 
She says they always had a thing for one another, but have never really been completely single at the same time. She calls him, and it definitely sounds like they've kept in touch because he knew about Quaylin and also had warned her about him. He basically tells Chevelle that we're going out. Chevelle says it's hard for her to move on, but she wants to so that she can finally date a real man. Quaylin is talking with his boys at the barbershop and says that talking to Jessica was a release from the relationship police. The boys tell him before he tries to get Chevelle back that he should sow his royal oats and visit Chicago and maybe some local Houston bars and pick up on some women. Quaylin thinks that's a bad idea because he fears that he will never get Chevelle back if he's messing around with other women. Back in Kansas City, Chevelle meets up with Jay, who is trying to be a gentleman and pulls out her chair for her. Chevelle says that Quaylin is calling her, but she doesn't care because she doesn't want to be walked over. Chevelle asks Jay what he thought about the fact that she was dating a prisoner. And he says that, you know, he always thought she could do better. Chevelle tells Jay that she's mad because her cousin DeMarc was right and it only lasted 90 days. So on their date, they're feeding each other dessert as some weird, like, pornographic style, like, music is playing. Uh, Chevelle is taken by his, you know, intense eye contact and licking his lips. They set up a second date, and Chevelle leaves arm-in-arm with Jay. Chevelle says karma will get Quaylin, which means she'll get more. All right, so Quaylin finally kind of admits, at least on... Yeah, kind of, because not to his boys, but in the interview. He's like, yeah, like, I get why she's mad. Yeah, he was, he did say it was flirting. Like, I just feel like... Okay, so this is what I feel like. I feel like he's not... He kind of struck out on his own. Mm-hmm. And when he struck out on his own, I think he struck out. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think he's getting as much play as he thought he would get. Sure. And now he's kind of like, yeah, that was kind of nice when Chevelle was around. Yeah, I had it good. She was giving me stuff. Yeah, and so then he gives, gets a little bit, I don't know if it's more clarity in regards to it. Or just like more like, no, maybe I should apologize to her. I feel like I did it wrong. Like to admit that it was it was flirting. And it was like, and he, I don't know. I still don't 100% buy that this is a woman he never met. Because she was yeah. specifically like, again, in the text. Said, I can't mm-hmm. wait to get your sweet ass again. And it's like, mm, again. Implying a second time. Yeah. <laughs> at least, at minimum. At, at least, right. But I totally think like he had like a little spell he had like a little hot streak going when he was with Chevelle because and, it, and that's something that's kind of known as like not being super uncommon right like it's way easier to have to be able to get women when you're in a relationship than it is when you're single I don't want to think it's the in a relationship part I think that maybe some people have less shame about you know going about trying to get other people like people because you know it's like well who cares if they have anything left to lose you know is it really going to be a blow to your ego if someone rejects you whatever i had a relationship anyway you know Ah, so i think it's that kind of like okay so maybe you're saying you're saying it's not easier right it's just that people play since they're playing with house money yes they they kind of put stuff out there they wouldn't put out there sure they're okay. willing to risk it because it's less of uh, like a rejection. 
You know, you could always, you know, talk yourself out of it. You're like, oh, they rejected me because I'm in a relationship and they don't want to deal with that scenario. Yeah, that's true. I could see it. I could see it. But either way, like wh- whichever it is, be it the, 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 you know, women are more attracted to guys. That's the theory, right? That's the other the competing theory is mm-hmm. that guys who are in relationships are like, oh, well, clearly somebody must find something in you. <laughs> so you can't be totally terrible. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Right? And so whatever it is, it's it's kind of – he was on a hot streak in the relationship. And I think then he broke up and he's been like – and now it's like, what are you doing? Well, I'm living with my mom and I'm working in a barbershop. And all of a sudden it's like, Meh. You're kind of a loser. Maybe not so much. Yeah. And especially yeah. when you move cities that it was like – and so now I just feel like he's like kind of penned up. And, and I, I think it worked the opposite for Chevelle, right? I mm-hmm. definitely feel like women tend to go on a hot streak like right after they break up with somebody. <laughs> Right? Like, that's when they're, like, ready to go and they're kind of, like, just whatever. My friend I never hooked up with that we always kind of wanted to hook up. Let's see if it works. Like, those kind of things. Like, and and so. Well, my theory on that end is that uh, women may put themselves out there more because they're on a rebound and they kind of need that, you know, reassurance that people are still into them. And then from a guy's perspective you know especially ones that you know aren't wanting to jump into a relationship it's like to date someone that just got out of a relationship it seems like okay well this person would be okay with taking it slow because are they really ready to jump into like a new relationship yeah they're okay with a taking it slow or b taking it really casually yeah Right? Like, those are the two things. And there's a ton of guys out there looking for both of those things. Right, right. right. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, I mean, and that's clearly what she's doing. Like, it definitely seems like she's looking for something way slower and casual, more casual than she had with Quaylen. Yeah, definitely. All right. All right. So, our favorites, Andrea and Lamar. (laughs) So Andrea starts by committing a huge breach of realtor ethics by taking her kids to swim at the house that she's trying so to sell. weird. I swear that's got to be illegal, right? Unless well, they tell you you can. Tennyson asks if it's even legal. <laughs> yeah. And Andrea says, nobody's going to know. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Which is always the thing you say when what you're doing is super legal and super cool. Anyway, <laughs> they get to the pool. And at the pool, Andrea tells the kids their new plan. Rather than Tennyson going on his mission alone, Andrea will take the whole family to where he is for the a family mission, which I'm pretty sure is not an official like sanctioned I don't think it's thing. A real thing, yeah. But some people do their mission like close by, and I think they I think some people do their mission and live with their parents. Whatever, they, I think they can make it. I'm sure they can make it work. I'm not sure if Lamar knows about this plan yet. <laughs> anyway, but. Tennyson does seem to like the idea and says it takes a whole lot of stress off of his decision. But she also announces that this mission, which, again, Tennyson was hoping would be in something like China, is going to be in Ghana because that's where her Andrea's family is from. Nyla warns her about fighting in front of their African family. But then we get off that topic really fast because Priscilla blows the whole thing open by asking if Shantae is going to come with them to Africa because, you know, she's family. Andrea wants all the dirt on how Priscilla knows about Shantae and who took her to see her. She isn't very happy about Tennyson and Nyla not telling her, but surprisingly, she doesn't go off on them too much. She is, however, really, really steamed at Lamar. 
and she actually just gets up and leaves to go to Lamar, leaving Tennyson to call the Uber and get everybody else home. She, anyway, she drives to Dulo's house, which is where Lamar is hanging out right now. Andrea, on the way to on the car, is fuming that Lamar asked Priscilla to keep a secret from her. That seems to be her sticking point. How are you going to ask your daughter to keep a secret from there? How are you going to train? I think she said train. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. That's a interesting verb to pick. Your daughter to keep secrets from her parents. Um, missing from um, this, um, you know, internal dialogue was any introspection about why this was something that Lamar felt he needed to do. Anyway. She gets there, and Lamar does his best to keep her at arm's length so she can't hit him um, as she just, like, yells at him um, pretty incoherently. He just seems to not want to engage, and Dulo steps between the two of them to keep the peace. The primary motivation here for Lamar is to keep things from getting physical because Lamar already has his three strikes, and he can't catch another case. Eventually, she leaves, and Lamar is reluctant to go home, but that's mainly because... He's worried about the fact that they're worried about two different issues. Andrea is really mad about the secret, and Lamar is really mad about her rolling up to Dulo's house instead of waiting and having this conversation in private when they got home. If you, you know, can call it a conversation. Yeah. I I mean, a this fight. is just... Okay, so let me... Th- I guess the question is, so whose issue is more pertinent at this point? Is it is it Andrea's or is it Lamar's? Well, in the moment, 100% Lamar's. Like, that's messed up. Like, she was coming at him. It wasn't even like she was yelling at him. She was coming at him, right? Oh, yeah. Like, and she so would have, hit, she would have mm-hmm. absolutely hit him. No, no yeah. doubt. If Dula wasn't there stepping in. Absolutely. Right. So if you're a bystander, it's like, it doesn't matter. The cops are getting called when you see a physical altercation. You know, and that is an immediate concern. And I forget physical altercation. Like people call the cops if you're just being loud and you hear a lot of fighting going on. Mm -hmm. You know, and Lamar knew it. And Lamar knew no matter what. That's why he's like, let's go in the house. Yeah, because he he knows if somebody calls, he even said something to that effect. Yeah. Somebody's going to call the cops and it doesn't matter what's actually happening. Mm -hmm. Like they're going to call the cops and say, this guy's beating up this lady. Like, that's what's going to happen. And they're going to show up as if that's happening. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's not wrong. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's completely the issue. And I don't think uh, Andrea is like, she's too self-centered to consider Lamar's concern, you know? So, yeah, she's absolutely going to be like, no, 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 but my issue is more important. It's like, yeah, but Lamar's was for like, if we're talking about long-term consequences. Right. I mean, yeah, talking about long-term consequences, like... If the cops, man, that that could end in very drastic, very serious long-term consequences. Yeah. Right. That that, because and that's something that I don't know if it's it's her upbringing or where she comes from or what she is. I, not something she even considered. Right. She didn't consider no. oh, somebody's going to call the cops on this argument. She was just. Well, I think the difference is in Utah, your houses are usually a lot farther apart. <laughs> no, that's true. That is true. You know? So it's like if uh, you would have to be really loud to hear your neighbors. Right. And even if you did hear your neighbors, how many neighbors in Utah are going to call the cops on people? Like, I right. don't know that they would. Yeah. Like, they probably just trust. Like, oh, they'll figure it out, you know, because they're not worried that there's going to be a domestic violence issue or something. Right. I don't know. So it, it's definitely a different environment than she's used to. And it, you know what else is a different environment than she's used to? Ghana. 
Oh, God. <laughs> okay, so I wrote, I have so many questions because they talk about it like Lamar is going, and I'm like, mm, did he agree to this? I feel like he didn't. Is he even allowed to? Like, wasn't the parole a situation? Like, are they going to even let him leave the country? It seems like... I thought he was off the chain. No more parole, fully done. Oh, okay. Well, that's good for him. Okay, and then my other question is, how long is this mission? You know, you're taking the kids out of school. So that's why I kind of thought, like, this is a Andrea, we're going to go. We're going to set up a lemonade stand in front of, like, the family's house. And we're going to, like, give back to the community. I definitely feel like, as cynical as it is, I definitely feel like this was a... They'll keep us on the show another year if we're in Africa for a year. Oh, like, they'll definitely show us in Africa, right? Uh, no. <laughs> you belong on a different show at that point. It is. I mean, it is. I don't know if they're going to have to send the production the out The other way. It's a little different. Yeah. Let's get Tennyson uh, betrothed to some, yeah. We've Hey, we've had 90 Day Fiance people who met on a mission. So, like. Yeah. I mean. I'm saying, like, let's do an arranged marriage, and uh, Tennyson can get married to someone in Ghana, and now we've got the other way, and that whole family can be on it. Jeez, I don't need any more of them. They, they, they're not on this show enough. Oh, my okay. God. Okay, Priscilla, like, come on. Like, I feel like that was not a slip-up. That wasn't a slip-up. She divulged way too much information at one time for that to be an accident. She's like, are we going to invite Shantae, our sister? You know, Lamar's other daughter. Like, it's like, <laughs> come on. That's not a slip-up. <laughs> I just, yeah, but I, I definitely feel like she's fed, like, and she's not a great actress either. No, she's and terrible. And so the way she does it is like, oh, they told her to say this. I can yeah. tell that they, and the same thing that happened last week. They did that when she told Nyla and Tennyson. Yeah. It was like, wow, they one hundred percent told her to tell her. To oh t- yeah, to say sure. This. It's like no one says that. Okay, if it's a slip up, it's a slip up. Like you accidentally say Shantae. Yeah. Right. You don't give the whole like who we went to the beach with, you know. And Dad told me not to tell you. Okay. Oh, well, oh, that wait. part, that part, I believe. Once she was, I do believe. Once the kid was caught, that anything is like, all right, from here on out, I just got to tell her straight, right? Whatever she asks, I got to give her the right answer to. But yeah. like. I, I, even an eight-year-old, I don't believe any eight-year-old. Like, as I believe they would be like, you know, I believe they would slip up and say something like, when did you get this? Ice, well, what, when did you have that flavor ice cream? And it would be like, oh, you know, well, Shantae gave it to me. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yes, I can see that, right? But you're not going to say. Is Shantae going to come with us? Like, right. Even the eight-year-old knows she hasn't lived in your house. You, ever, you knew you weren't allowed to see her. You, that question wouldn't come into your head. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's really awful acting. I call shenanigans on that whole Priscilla storyline. I don't. It, it's just. It's just. And it's awful acting because they're asking the eight-year-old to act. She's eight. Like there's yeah. only so much she can do. And you know there are like Hollywood kids. She's not one of them. She's a normal eight-year-old. No, no. Um, I did appreciate that Andrea didn't focus on the fact that it was that they met with Shantae at all, right? At least she focused on, like, the lying part. Although she did allude to the fact that, well, he knew it must be wrong if he's going to lie about it, but she didn't really go too much into, 
you know, because we haven't really heard her say anything about keeping Shantae out of the family. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, maybe she knows better than to say anything specifically on camera. But and she's not wrong that it was mm-hmm. wrong for Lamar to put oh, her, yeah. no, put no, her no. daughter in that situation. Oh, yeah. No, no. I agree with that, too. Sure. Right? Because she, she, at the end of the day, she was right. And if Lamar mm-hmm. wants Shantae to be part of his life, he needs to step up and say, listen, I don't care what you think. This is happening. Right. But then would she actually concede? Oh, no. She hit him. Like, that's, and that's right. the point. That's why I was like, the, inter, the, the introspection is just never there. Oh, no. Absolutely not. I mean, ugh. It's like, it's her world and everybody's living in it, right? The fact that she says, like, oh, loyalty to me. You're going to do that in my house? It's like, ah. Do you see your relationship with Lamar as a partnership? Because I feel like she doesn't. No, no. She feels like, I definitely feel, she kind of feels like she saved him and he owes her everything. Yeah. Like so, she is just she's she's the queen of the castle, and mm-hmm. even Lamar is just one of the one of the one of the subjects. Yeah, definitely. Oh, she just is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, moving on to Amber and Puppy. So Amber's on her way to pick up Puppy, and she tells a little a little bit about her history with Puppy. She says that they used to help each other out and pool their money. Puppy used to bake puppy pies and sell them. <laughs> Amber is very unsure of what to think about their relationship because she acknowledges that they are just some women in prison that are just gay for the stay. She reminisces on her release and meeting with Vince, and she says it's going to be nothing like that because her and Puppy actually know each other and are comfortable with one another. Amber is told to meet Puppy at the courthouse, and she was sassy with the officer who called her, but he hangs up on her and she just leaves to meet Puppy. Puppy gets out, and her and Amber kiss. They both just keep on saying, you know, how beautiful the other one looks. We get a little background on Puppy. She was in prison for the same thing as Amber, which was dealing meth. She tells us that Amber loved her when no one else did. She seems excited to see where it goes with Amber, while Amber awkwardly says that, you know, they're going to just take it one day at a time. They are both free, but they're also both on parole for 20 years. Amber tells us that Puppy is a hustler, and she kind of worries that it will result in something illegal and she'll somehow get dragged into it, too. Then, during our commercial clip, Puppy tells us how you get drunk in prison. Uh, She says that you can either get some yeast or hand sanitizer and mix it with salt. She says that you'll get lit even though it's really terrible for your liver. Puppy is thankful that Amber bought her clothes, especially thongs. They stop at a restaurant to let Puppy change and try out some makeup. Puppy says that life in prison with Amber wasn't so bad, but life without her was absolutely terrible. Puppy walks out, and an older restaurant employee just kind of leans over the counter and, like, leers at her all creepy as she walks by. Uh, They're worried about where Puppy will live since they can't be paroled together unless they're related, and currently Amber's living at Puppy's mom's house. Puppy suggests that, you know, maybe they should just get married. Or Amber jokes that, you know, well, maybe I can adopt you. Which takes us back to the whole Vince situation. Puppy asks why Amber couldn't just sleep with him to seal the deal, and Amber just rolls her eyes, saying she couldn't even get in the same bed with him. Puppy says that, you know, she seemed to love him before, but Amber says as soon as she thought that there were some ulterior motives, she was just out. Amber heard that Vince is could still get money for adopting Puppy, so they decide to call him, and Puppy greets him by saying, Hi, Daddy. <laughs> 
Puppy asks him if he's getting money off of her, and Vince says that he felt bad about the situation, so he wasn't going to do anything with the adoption. So Puppy says that, you know, well, maybe they should annul the adoption, and maybe she won't sign unless he actually pays Amber some money. Vince gets mad that, you know, she's making any kind of demands and tells her to lawyer up because he's not giving them anything, you know? So... (sighs) I know you haven't met Vince yet. Uh-huh. So what is your impression of Vince? I mean, it seems like Vince, in this phone call, feels like he's been burned. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, I'm not doing anything with you people. Like, yeah. And, which is not shocking. That's not surprising, right? Sure. But do you think that he's conning, not them, because obviously he's not giving them anything. Right. But do you think that he's actually getting the $500 stipend? Yeah, I, I definitely think she's right. If, if if he wasn't getting it, she he would have canceled. Oh, I, I don't know. I'm second guessing that now. Because I would think, yes, if he wasn't getting the stipend, if he wasn't getting what they had arranged for mm-hmm. him to get, the whole purpose of the, of the um, adoption thing, then he would have canceled it already. Yeah. And not finalized it because they they made it sound like there was some kind of approval process and he never withdrew, you know, whatever their application before it was finalized. And so that was kind of the argument was, okay, well, maybe, I don't know, could you even annul it? I mean, th- this whole situation is bizarre that it's even legal for you to be able to adopt a person when they are... You know, over the age of 25, I think she's 34, right? What? 34? Yeah. That's what I thought her title card Weird, because I thought it was like, because I could totally see if it's VA benefits or something, declaring someone as a beneficiary on an account up until mm-hmm. like a certain age, right? Even if yeah. it's above 25. But like... But I say 25 is typically the cutoff for like things like, you know, being on your health insurance well, as a dependent. That's 26. That's 26 okay. now. Yeah. But it wasn't, but that was... Pfft. That was 18. Like, there was, it was 22. It depended by state until Obamacare came through. Yeah. But, you know, I don't think people come here for um, insurance work. <laughs> <laughs> sure. But, like, I don't know. Because I could also totally buy him just being too lazy to actually get off his butt and do anything. That's about the impression this thing you that have was of him. About the, about the things that were already in process. Like, mm-hmm. whatever. I, I won't cash the checks, but uh, I don't want to go to the VA office and annul the thing. And the, uh, I'm not doing that. I just won't cash the checks. Well, right? the fact that he even says, like, we'll lawyer up, it seems like that's causing more of a headache if he's having to deal with a situation that he's actually fighting, right? Because I get what you're saying. It's easy to just kind of like, well, the ball's already rolling. I'll just let it roll on. It's quite another to be like, well, you're going to do this? Well, I'm going to push the ball the other way, you know, and just actually like put some effort into opposing. Is is he going to oppose it though? Or does he think that if she lawyers up, she'll be fighting with the VA and not fighting with him? Oh, I have no idea. Right? Like who is she going to be fighting with? Because at the end of the day, it's one of those things like, oh, yeah, if you steal from a drug dealer, guess what? They're not going to sue you <laughs> for the money. They're not going to take go to the police and say you got stolen from. So it kind of, part of it is like, yeah, you're all doing this weird, sketchy crap. Yeah, I, I dare you. Dare you to take this to court. 
Like, yeah, that whole situation is just so bizarre to me. Like, like I said, and I think this is confusing to everyone. I mean, like on Reddit, anyone who watches the show, how is it that someone that is within a few years of him that couldn't possibly be, you know, a child or a dependent, you know, like, how is it that you can adopt someone? Like that, like yeah, that just make, doesn't weird. make any sense. It's super like, weird. Like, I kind of get it. Like, you know, what if you had a situation where, you know, and this happens where you have like an older sibling and the parents aren't around and the older siblings actually, you know, old enough to be able to adopt the younger ones. And so I get it that they're close in age. Right. 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 Especially, well, the thing is like, I, th- I feel like things like that usually happen with people who have like mental disabilities and stuff and they can't mm-hmm. take care of themselves. And so then they have to have somebody that like somebody has to be their caretaker. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's when the adoptions like that can happen too. That would make sense to me. Right. Okay. If you were caring for someone like that. Sure. Um, but I mean, that's not puppy. No. So. <laughs> no. Right. So I don't know. Um, it just, the whole situation just seems super bizarre and I don't, I feel like I'm with Amber on this. I feel like Vince was, he's also a scam artist, you know? Oh, yeah, he is. I mean, he is. It's not It's not the worst. I just, I, I thought a couple more, a couple of things. I thought Amber's thing of like, I couldn't even get to bed with him. It was like, I was so close to thinking like, wait, is she saying she couldn't get it up? Well, that doesn't make any sense. And I was like, but it seems to be like the female equivalent of that. I feel like she just couldn't even be next to him. Like you, you even when you saw their uh, episodes, when, you know, they were both on, uh, uh-huh. it was, you could just tell she did not want to kiss him. You know, they never like made out. I mean, she couldn't even pretend to be into it. Uh-huh. Like, you know, at least Destiny pretends to be into Sean. At least Lindsay pretends to be into Scott. It's like Amber couldn't even, like, pretend even a little bit. Right. And my other thing is, like, how far are they? Because this is not the first time we've seen people go straight from the prison to a restaurant without going home first. Yeah. Like, it seems to me, like, I get, I totally get she wants to wear real underwear and she wants to wear real, real <laughs> pants and she wants to put on makeup. Totally, 100% on board with it. But you know what I would want to, I, I feel like I would do when I got out first is I want to take a real shower and yeah. an actual shower. Like that would be priority number one. Get me to a house so I, or a hotel so I could take a shower alone. That would be yeah. A1 on my list. <laughs> I'll uh, note that for if you're ever in prison. Yes. Like... <laughs> Hopefully not. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we did not hear from Lacey and Shane and Brittany and Marcelino and Scott and Lindsay. So seems like yeah. we're getting a good balance of them week right. to week. But right. it is a couple weeks until we see our next new episode. Right. It is two weeks because we don't have any – we don't have a new episode on Christmas Eve, which makes sense. Yeah, it does. Although this does make us happy, right? I know. It does. It <laughs> Would be Our- a good way, but yeah, so we don't have it next week. <laughs> okay, what about your student of the week? Um, I went with, I feel like I go with him a lot, is Malcolm. Like, yeah. Just because, I, I kind of, we went with it. Just like the ball, so many people are in these relationship because the ball's already rolling. Mm-hmm. We're already we're already doing it. It's already going. Like, 
it takes effort to stop it and reverse it. And he's like, yeah. no, I'm actually going to like monitor this and think about where we are and think about how this is going before sure. I just been like committing to more and more and more. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so my student of the week is Chevelle. Um, I feel like it's hard to tell long-term if she really will stick with it. And who knows, maybe she'll be a dunce later on. But at least in this episode, she says that she's not going to let Quaylen treat her like he has. So she's really making her best effort to move on. And sometimes it really is just about going through the motions and like faking it till you make it, you know? Because sure. she said she doesn't want to move on and it's hard for her. You know, and so I, I do. I think it, this is hard for her. It's hard for her to go out on a date with someone else because that means that things aren't working out with Quaylen. I mean, Jay definitely made it a lot easier for her yeah. by being kind of a stand-up guy that she can actually maybe see a future with. But, you know, oh. I think it was a lot for her to take that first step. <laughs> Again, I'm remembering something I forgot to mention mm. when we were on hers because Jay... She literally talked about, I had all my eggs in one basket as she mm -hmm. had pictures of Jay and other guys literally in a basket. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, that's very on the nose, what Chevelle. What basket is that? <laughs> Where can I get one? <laughs> <laughs> Where is this man basket that I can just pick guys up? <laughs> all right. What about your dunce? Uh, Andrea. Oh, just, I, Yeah. She's I Andrea. Mean, I mean, every time she does one of her Andrea, like, she just goes off the rails and gets unhinged. Like, but there were so many things her. other than the big stuff. I mean, the legal swimming, like, yeah. hey, kids, take an Uber home like yourself. Like, I don't know. Is that really even safe for, like, three kids taking an Uber by themselves? Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely the swimming thing. Like, that is got to be a huge breeze of ethics that she's doing yeah. friggin' on camera. And like, and so it's funny though when when someone else breaks the law, when Dulo is is smoking a a blunt, which by the way probably isn't even illegal, mm -hmm. right? Because he's in California, yeah. so it's not even illegal. Dulo's smoking a blunt. She's like, "Get that blunt away from me! I can't believe you offered a blunt." And she's like, "I'm just gonna break law." And she's like, "Nobody is gonna know when she breaks the law." <laughs> so yeah, the double yeah. standard is pretty big. Right, definitely. Okay, what about your life lesson? So um, this goes to Sean and Destiny. I've kind of mentioned it before. Like every time you want to do something, right? You want to make your big move. You have to consider like three scenarios. You have to consider like what's the best case scenario? What's the worst case scenario? And also what's the most likely scenario, <laughs> right? Think about all those three things. Like really do think about it and think about it honestly. Because if, you, if Sean had thought about these three things... He would not go to meet Destiny. No. My God. Because yeah. the worst case scenario and the most likely scenario, and I almost feel like you have to consider which end they're on, right? Mm -hmm. Those are really close together. If you make your, your spectrum of scenarios, right, the most likely scenario is way closer to the worst case scenario than it is to the best case scenario. Right, right. right? Definitely. Like, so you, you just, you have to, and, and I guess part of that is just, you have to be honest with yourself about what it is you're expecting and what it is you're hoping and what it is and how things might go wrong. Yeah, definitely. All right. So my life lesson uh, is inspired by Amber, Puppy, and Vince, because at the end of the day, they're all, you know, the same, in the same boat. So if someone is willing to go in on a con, 
They're probably also a con artist. There is nobody easier to con than somebody who thinks than a con than somebody who sure. thinks they're in on the con. Like that is the yep. easiest person to con. It's and that, yep. that's a phrase. Who said it? I forget who said it. Somebody famous said it. You can't con mm-hmm. an honest man. Like you can't. Yeah. Because they don't want to go in on a con with you. Like right. <laughs> That's so true, and that's definitely what's happening here. So she should not have been surprised when she was like, I think Vince has ulterior motives. It's like, "Mm mm-hmm. Yeah, because you had ulterior motives. Of course he went along with it. Jeez. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So uh, it will be a couple of weeks until we are back because the next new episode isn't until, I believe, January. Oh, no, it's December. Is it New Year's Day? It's got to be New Year's Day. Yeah, New Year's Day. Yeah, New Year's Day. So. Yeah. Yep. 2021. Looking forward to it. That and uh, Love After Lock. We'll kick off 2021 with a with a with a bang. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, hopefully a good one and not a bad one. And not a bad one. Not not Sean and Destiny doing it in this in the hot in the hot tub kind of bang. Oh God, no. <laughs> All right. Well, we will see you uh, the new, after the new year. So that's right. Happy holidays. And yes. Have a great time yes and stay safe yes definitely stay safe the vaccine's around we need everybody to stay safe until then yep yep all right (laughs) okay bye bye